Well, that was the very first Palm Sunday some 2,000 years ago. A little bit like our Palm Sunday, only the kids were not carrying it in and people were not singing kind of in a light way. It was a serious moment. You can kind of see the passion and feel the moment that was about to happen with Jesus. We're going to talk today not so much about the parade in, that's Palm Sunday, but what Jesus came for the parade for, what his main focus was on that day. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you to this wonderful church called Highlands, and we hope that you feel the wonderful community here. And today, what we're going to focus on is getting the heart of God, developing in our lives the heart of God. I don't know what you think about when you think about God's heart. Maybe you think of kind of uh, just mercy and grace and love, and certainly God is all of those things. But today, we're going to look at a little bit different side. We're going to look at some of the, uh, what we're going to call good anger in God's heart. We're going to look at the good focus that God's heart had, and we're going to try to develop that in our lives. By the way, I am so glad it is no longer Lent. So let me just say, I've been trying to iron my shirts for the last, like, you know, 40 days, and it has not gone so well for me. I, uh, I was up in uh, Sacramento visiting my uh, parents, uh, Haley's Grammy and Grampy, as she calls them, and it was wonderful, but I will say that being in the, in the state's capital, in Sacramento, really made me feel that people are really upset today. I mean, here we hang out in Paso Robles, and you know, we're, we do pretty well, don't we? We, uh, we may have some challenges, but people are not too vexed about life, but I'm telling you, up in Sacramento, there is just this kind of anger that people have. People are angry about all kinds of things. People are angry about this health care legislation, and it doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left. People seem to be angry about this thing. People are angry about the economy, and they're angry about Wall Street, and people are upset about this housing crisis. I mean, people are just really upset. I heard about a couple of guys who were going around. People are so angry, they went to invite this lady to church. They went door to door, knocked on the door and said, ma'am, do you want to come to our church for Easter next week? The woman said, I do not like you. I do not like church people, and I do not want you here in my doorframe. Oh, they said, okay, and then she started to slam the door shut, but the door bounced back right in her face. Well, that made the lady even angrier. And, and they're just still standing there, these two nice guys from the church. And she said, I don't think you heard me. I want you away from my doorstep. I do not like church. I do not like you. And I do not want you here. Now get out. And she slammed the door again. But this time it bounced back even more into her face. I mean, it was coming wow, right back at her. Now, so the woman came back and she had four steps and she was going to run at the door this time and throw herself against the door. Just before she did that, the couple of guys from the church said, ma'am, ma'am, you don't have to come to our church this week, but one thing you should do. What is that? She said, you should take your cat out of the door. So, <laughs> so <laughs> people are really kind of upset these days. What I want to talk about is how the conditions of the world today are not so different than they were some 2,000 years ago. The conditions of anger and upsetness about taxation or, or legislation or government or whatever it is, it's not so different. In fact, in Jesus' day, the city of Jerusalem was just full of angst. It was mad about Herod. It was mad that the temple had been uh, re renovated but not paid for. It was mad that people were not being listened to. There was too much police force on the streets. People were really angry. And into this cauldron, Jesus takes his, what we're going to call today, good anger, and he brings it into this cauldron of bad anger. And he brings about what God wants to teach us about today. 
you know, there are two kinds of anger. There's kind of the bad kind of anger that gets on other people and it, or it goes down inside of us and makes us more depressed or it just kind of diffuses everywhere. And then there is the focused anger. And that is good when it focuses through God into what God wants us to do in our lives. I'm going to talk about that today. Let's look at our text. We're looking at Matthew and we're looking at 21, 1 through 13. Let's listen for God's word for us today. Now, Jesus entered the temple area. Oh, sorry, started to worry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, this is a picture of a Mount of Olives that I took just two years ago when I was in Israel. And as you can see, it looks like what city that you're familiar with. If you want to know what Israel looks like, it's Pastor Robles with a million more people. Here's another picture I took from where Jesus starts this journey. And as you can look through, he's looking through ominously that uh, cemetery, and he's going to go through the Kidron Valley into Jerusalem. This is where Jesus starts his journey. Well, he sends two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey there and a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Now, you can just hear these disciples. Uh-uh. Oh, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going into Jerusalem. This is your journey, Lord. You go into that tumult of people who are really mad. But Jesus says, no, go. It's going to be okay. And it is. They bring back a colt and a donkey. And Jesus rides a colt into town. And the mama donkey is tied right behind Jesus. That's an image we don't see in our pictures. So verse 8, a very large crowd spreads their cloaks on the ground. And while others cut branches like we just had from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted. Notice the word shouted. They weren't singing. Shouted. And what were they shouting? Hosanna to the son of David. But they weren't singing Hosanna. You know how we sang it earlier today and it was like, Hosanna. And then Caleb sometimes says, no, less pretty, more loud. And then you go, Hosanna. I know, I've seen you. I do the same thing. <laughs> These people weren't doing that. They were singing, Hoshi, na, Hoshi, na, Hoshi, na. It means, it's Hebrew, save us, save us. It's like uh, uh, people who are mad about jobs. We want jobs now. When do we want them? Now. But you know how it goes. Or it's like, you know, have you seen the end of a football game when people are like, na, 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 hosanna. They're expecting Jesus to go to beat up Herod. Well, that's not what Jesus is going to do. So they're really upset and they've got this bad anger and Jesus brings his good focused anger into this group. And what does he do? Does he go to Herod's fort? And does he give Herod a piece of his mind? And does he just... No. What does he do? Let's take a look at the map. Jesus is coming down the road. And there's the... See the arrow there? That is where the fort is. And Jesus is headed that direction. And the people are excited. And they are going to get... Herod's going to hear what he has coming to him. But then Jesus takes a turn to the right. And he goes to the temple. And he takes all of that angst that is in his life and the people's, you can just hear the people say, no, 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 wrong way, Jesus. No, 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 that way. But he takes it to the temple. And then we hear next, Jesus entered the temple there and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He takes that anger and he focuses it on cleaning out the temple. 
He focuses it on what God wants him to do. He overturned the tables of the money changers who were trying to make money on these propositions of buying cows and sheep and all this and selling. And he turns over benches. Can you imagine the scene? Cows and sheep. Ah. Ah. I've been reading a lot of stories to Haley, so you got my context here. Works really well for Haley. But it's a zoo. Jesus takes that, that focused anger and he puts it into the temple. And then he says this, he says, it is written, my house will be called the house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And that's what leads us into the Holy Week, which then leads us to the cross, not but four to five days later. That's what God wants us to think about today. We were going to talk about good anger and bad. We're going to talk about the anger that focuses through God and through the temple and to the things God wants us to do. And we're going to talk about the kind that's diffuse and all over people and it brings us down and it brings other people down. This last week I was again up in Sacramento and I, I love, well, favorite thing was to see Haley interacting with my dad. For, you know, doesn't happen all the time, but she's feeding him and stuff like that. It was, it was cute. She took him on a, a walk, or dad took her on a walk, and uh, it was night, and Haley's been reading that book, Good Night Moon, you know that wonderful book? Love it. She didn't really know there was a real moon until last week, actually, and uh, dad uh, pointed up to the moon, and it was like her eyes opened, and, and uh, she went like this, looking up at the moon, and she's been saying moon, moon ever since. In fact, uh, she's probably downstairs right now, and children's ministry's going, moon, moon, <laughs> And I remember all the times I had with my grandpa, and I had a lot of times like that, like just, you know, looking at the moon and going fishing, and it was, I have so many good memories. But I'll tell you what, my grandpa also had, I think what we could call bad anger in his life. He didn't always have it, but it started to set in about the age of 67, 68, 69, and I don't know what he was angry about, and I don't know if you've seen this movie called Up but it's part of your Easter assignment for this week. It's on a Netflix or something. But it, my grandpa was like Carl Fredrickson, you know, carrying around all this stuff. And I was sort of like Russell behind him. But my grandpa had all this stuff that he was pulling around with him. He was mad about the denominational wars going on in our denomination. And he was mad about, I don't know, the economy. And he was mad about government. And I, I don't even know if he could put his finger on what he was angry about. And it wasn't being focused through the temple. It was just getting all over everybody. But worse than that, it was getting into him. And I remember my grandpa... Uh, you know, we took him to Shakespeare one night, you know, just play Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet. And, and I remember a great Hamlet, to be or not to be, and ha Grandpa just sat there. <laughs> that wasn't a very good play. <laughs> I remember we had all kinds of activities and nothing we could do could kind of lift Grandpa up. You know, psychologists say that depression, one definition is anger turned inwards. And if that's true, we need to figure out something to do with these emotions other than put them out there or just pack them down inside. And so that's what I want to lift up to you today, just three things for you to work on this week and for me to work on. Number one, give it to God. Just give it to God. I read a fascinating study just the other day from the University of Michigan, and uh, this is a study that interviewed like thousands and thousands of people about their prayer life. 
Now, this study found that 52% of those who surveyed had forgiven others for something that someone else had done to them. And I, I say, bravo, you know, 52%. But you know what that means? 48% of people have not done that. They're holding on to that stuff. They have not forgiven others. And that stuff is making them angrier and angrier and angrier. 75% of people believe they have been forgiven for God for something they've done. I say, amen. But that means that 25% of people are walking around feeling that they have done something that God will not forgive them for. And that's going to make them angrier and angrier and angrier. 43% have asked others to forgive them for past offenses. Fantastic. Hey, do that this next week. If there's something, even if you don't even know if you did something wrong or not, just go for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. Sometimes it is. But 43%, wonderful. But look, that means 57% have not done that. 63% of people have let themselves off the hook. Amen to that. Maybe that's you. You've, uh, you've let yourself off the hook for something you've been carrying around. But what does that mean? got to look at my book. I'm a pastor. I can't count. 37%. 37% have not done that. They've not forgiven themselves. We tamp that stuff down and we get angrier and become more and more like Carl Fredrickson. My favorite story about this is uh, Tony Campolo, pastor of just the you know, great evangelistic movement through the country. Tony was a, a pastor one day in his office and he got a phone call from a woman. Now, sometimes I'm just going to give you an insight into pastors. We get the phone and sometimes we can tell by the ring of the phone that it's not going to be a good call. It's telling you. Maybe you know that as a mom, you know. But I pick, or Tony Campolo picks up the phone and uh, this woman says, hi, this is, uh, this is so-and-so and I want you to know that you had been praying for my husband who had cancer. Tony knew that where this was going. It wasn't that he was healed of it. He, it went the other way. Tony said, I am so sorry we came and prayed for your husband. I'm so sorry he didn't make it. The woman said, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because you know what? My, my husband was so angry for so much of his life. And especially when he got cancer, he was so angry. He was angry at, at the doctors. He was angry at God. He was angry at everyone. But those last two weeks that you came and prayed for him, he let that go. He gave it to God. And those are the best two weeks we've ever had in our marriage. We sang and we danced and we cooked and we gardened and we just did everything for two weeks. You give that stuff to God and God will just miraculously take it away. Second thing I want you to do with it is to channel it. To channel it not kind of onto other people. Don't channel it into yourself. Channel it through the temple. Channel it through God himself. True story. Baltimore, Maryland, you know, not a pretty place these days. It's not just Capitol Hill. It's like all the crime and traffic around it. You think we've got problems here. But just the other day, true story, Baltimore Times talked about a woman who was like weaving through traffic and like eating her breakfast and listening to the radio and talking on her phone and doing her nails at the same time. So she's weaving through traffic and, uh, and uh, this guy who's kind of like the cop of the community, but he's not really, he's got to like, keep everybody else on track. He is so mad with this lady who's just weaving through traffic and he's going to take it on himself to go give her a what for. 
So he takes his anger not through the temple. He takes us up to Herod's house. He goes up to the stoplight where she's there. She stops. He knocks on her window. He is going to tell her what's going on. She does not open her door. He keeps doing this through the window. Finally, she gets out of her car. True story. She gives the guy a hug. Says, seems like you're having a bad day. <laughs> she lays a big kiss on him. And she gets back in the car and she drives away. <laughs> Now, something about that helped him channel that anger in a different way. I don't know what it'll take for you to channel your anger. By the way, I know some of you are struggling with this idea of good and bad anger. Some of you are saying there's only bad anger. There's not good. It's like you got to be happy or you got to, you know, you got to be angry. Get rid of the anger and be happy. But that's not a healthy life. There's such a thing as good. Look. There's no way to look around it. Jesus was angry in the temple, right? He wasn't going to the temple saying, I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. (laughs) But it was good because he was focusing it through what God wanted him to do. Favorite example of this is uh, the Irish Revolution, 1916, Ireland. And there were all kinds of bombs and just wars going on, like all wars, just an awful time. And these were hot-headed Irish people. And I can say that because, you know, it's my people. And uh, they were doing all kinds of negative things. But one man decided not to use and diffuse his anger in negative ways. His name was William Butler Yeats. And he wrote poetry. And during that awful time where people were so, so angry, he focused his, his focus, his anger, through poetry. And he wrote the most beautiful poems of the history of the world. My favorite one is is this one. It's the Lake Isle of Innisfree. I will arise and go now and go to Innisfree and a small cabin built there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have there, a hive for the honeybee and live alone in the bee loud glade. I will arise and go now For peace comes dropping slow, dropping from the veils of the morning to where the cricket sings. There midnight's all a glimmer, and noon a purple glow, and evening full of the linnet's wings. Whew! That's pretty good stuff. So channel some of your emotions. The last thing I want you to remember is to just remember the cross. Remember Jesus who channeled all of his frustration into the cross. You do the same. I can't tell you strongly enough, more strongly enough, come this Wednesday to Monday Wednesday. It is a service that you will not forget. It'll change your life. But if you can't make it, let me tell you what will happen that night. We'll recognize this last dinner of Jesus. And we'll talk about how Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he handed it to 12 disciples. One of them had turned him in. Judas. Judas could have put, Jesus could have put all of his negative anger into Judas. But that would have been bad anger. He focused it onto the cross. Then a little later that night, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. The place that we just talked about. His favorite place. And Jesus is needed to pray. Just just to pray. He had only a couple hours left. 
So he said to his 12 disciples, all right, guys, you stay here. And would you do one last thing for me? Would you just pray with me? Just pray with me. Oh, yeah, they said, I'll be there for you. So Jesus went off and he prayed and he came back. And what were the disciples doing? <laughs> Sleeping. So Jesus said, okay, would you just wake up? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're back on it, boss. And so he comes back and he prays again and he comes back. And what does he find the disciples doing? <laughs> Sleeping. He does it a third time. He goes and prays and you know the rest of the story. Jesus says, well, it's time. And he wakes up the disciples. Now he could have put all of his anger on those 12 silly, dumb disciples. But he focused it on the cross. And then a little later, Jesus hung from a cross. And people spat on him and yelled at him. And called him names. Now, Jesus had a pretty good view up there. He could have just let him have it. But he focused it upwards. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then just a few moments later, Jesus looked upwards and he said, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He focused it there. I don't know what's going on for you right now, but I just encourage you to give it to God, channel it through the temple, and remember the cross. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you that you are the living example of what to do with all the stuff we carry around. Thank you so much for this wonderful church, and I ask that you would help us to be the models in this community of how to process all of the tangled emotions that we face every day. Lord, I pray that you would most of all help us on this Palm Sunday to remember the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.